So today we will take a look at chapter 6 of Exodus. Actually, last week I said we were going to take a look at chapter 6 of Exodus, and then I started reading out of chapter 5, which is where we really were, but everyone that was here was able to follow along. So, But this week we really are in chapter 6. But um, I'm actually going to go into chapter 7 a little bit today as well. But before we read from chapter 6 here, I'd like us to go back and take a look at the end of uh, chapter 5. It's where we uh, left off in verse 20. I want to go back and read verse 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter 5 where it says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. So Moses asked the Lord those two questions at the end of chapter 5 there. But the fact of the matter is, is that right from the beginning, there was never a doubt that the children of Israel were going to be set free from the bondage that they were under. Not because of who they were, and not because of who Moses or Aaron were, but because of who God is. And I will expound a little bit on this in a few moments. But as we see Moses' reaction there at the end of chapter 5, Moses could only see what he could see as a man on this earth. And oftentimes, that's how we look at things. In other words, Moses saw things with a limited vision. But God sees all. He sees everlasting from everlasting. He knows the end from the beginning. And God was going to work mightily on behalf of the children of Israel, as we will see. His power will be on display for His people. His children would see Him work strongly on their behalf. You see, Pharaoh didn't have the power to stop the Lord from doing His will in the lives of the people. And today, through faith in Jesus Christ and because of the love of Christ, we have the one and the same God that we seek, the one and the same God that worked in the lives of the Israelites. And we are children of God as well. And we are a part of the body of Christ. You see, the New Testament talks about how the Gentiles, believers in Jesus, have been grafted in or made part of the people of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And throughout the entire Old Testament, though, we have seen thus far, and we will see God work in and through the lives of this people, His people, Israel. But in Christ today, as we sit here today, in Christ there is one family, and it is made up of both Jews and Gentiles believers in Jesus Christ. God's not done with Israel as a whole. And many Jews are still blind 
to who Jesus really is. But for you and me today, when it comes to God's will being done in our lives, we can rest in and we can trust in Him just like the Israelites could back in their day because He is faithful to His promise and He will take care of us. And it is true, as Scripture says, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Now, of course, as I'm talking about all of this, I'm speaking about the person that has been born again of the Spirit, that person that has died to themselves and are committed to being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is the case, then the Bible indeed says that God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, the Scripture tells us. And the Apostle Paul was a man fully committed to the will of God for his life. And he's the one that stated neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's found in Romans chapter 8. But you see, I'm trying to express something to you right now as I expound on uh, Exodus chapter 6 here, verse 1. And that is, is that God's will will be done as it pertains to those that are His people. Moses came and questioned God and said, Why did you send me? Why haven't you delivered these people? And oftentimes we can get like that with God. Why, God? Why? Why not? Why is this not happening? Why that's not happening? I prayed for this. I prayed for that. Whatever it might be, right? But God's will will be done as it pertains to His people. Nothing will get in the way from His will being done. Okay? So, but sometimes, you know, when you're in the thick of the forest and it feels like you'll never find your way out of these circumstances, whatever these circumstances may be, the thing we must rely on and trust in is that nothing has ever changed with God. He is who He is, and He is faithful and true. And the problem is never with God, as maybe Moses thought it was there at the end of chapter 5. It seemed as if he was placing the blame on God or placing some kind of blame on God. But the problem wasn't with God. The problem is always with us. In our minds, we think that we should get what we want when we want it, and that we should get it exactly how we want it, because that's how we're used to things being done. But again, God does not see what we see, right? And we simply need to walk by faith in Him, firmly fixed, firmly rooted, and firmly grounded in Jesus Christ. And we need to press on in the faith press on toward the high mark of our calling, or of our high calling in, in Jesus Christ, right? Because there is a final destination point for us. There is that promised land where we're going to. But in the meantime, God is doing a work in our lives. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says that it is God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And often we don't want it that way. We want it to where God will work in our lives and will and do our good pleasure, what we want. But he's working things out in our lives for his good pleasure, right? 
So then verse 2 of Exodus 6 continues and says, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Now I'm going to spend a little bit of time right here. Because we have to pause and we have to think about this verse. Again, I'll read it. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Okay, so God is going to make a very important point to Moses. He, he really wants Moses to understand something here. And we too must really get a grasp of what God is communicating in this verse. Again, Moses at the end of chapter 5, what was he doing? We saw he was questioning God. So now God is going to emphasize to him again who he is. If you remember, when we studied back in chapter 3, we saw where God told Moses that he is the I am, right? But again here, God is making sure that Moses is rooted and grounded in the fact of who it is that is speaking to him right now and who it is that is leading him in this task that has been given to him. And God says here in verse 2, I am the Lord. That word for Lord there in the original text is the name Yahweh. This word describes just a part of God's character. It means He is the always existing one, always has been. He is the existing one. The same God that has always been. The same God that the fathers of the Israelites would have known, the patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the same God that worked in their lives. He, he is the covenant-making God. He just is, and he, what He says He will do, He will do. Okay, He is the covenant-making God. He is Yahweh. He goes on, though, here in verse 3, I appeared to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. Now, let me read verse 3 there again to you. But this time, I'm going to insert some words as it would have sounded in the original text. Just a couple words, you'll see. Verse 3, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. But by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. That's what God was communicating to Moses here. He's making a distinction in his character. Even though he is the one and only God, there is more to him than meets our little eyes, right? Or, or what our minds can comprehend. God is able to do far more than we can understand. And he is far more than what we understand. So he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, the one that protected Abraham and showed himself mighty on Abraham's behalf. If you remember back when we read Genesis chapter 14, it was quite some time ago, but there was a man named Chedorlo Amer, right, who put together a strong army to fight against Sodom. And Abraham knew that his cousin Lot was in harm's way, and he went out to battle against this great army, but he had a very small army when Abraham went out to battle. And it was El Shaddai. It was God Almighty who was on Abraham's side. And Abraham's army won 
that battle and took all the spoils. And we also saw in Genesis where God protected Isaac in the land of the Philistines. And then, of course, we saw much about Jacob in the book of Genesis where God spared Jacob's life from his brother Esau who wanted to kill him. And when Laban, Jacob's uncle, repeatedly dealt poorly with Jacob, God made everything work out for Jacob's good. Jacob also ended up in a pretty good position at the end of his life, didn't he? When his son Joseph became a great leader in Egypt. And the point I'm making is that was God working on their behalf. El Shaddai. It was God Almighty. Right? He showed himself mighty on their behalf. And in verse 4 and verse 5 here, well, verse 4, God tells Moses, I also established my covenant. Um, excuse me. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. So God is letting Moses know that he is the covenant keeping God here, right? He made the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now. He is ready to perform on his promise to them and to take his people into their land, out of bondage and into their homeland. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not live to see the day when God gave the land to the people of Israel. But now, after 400 years of bondage, God as Yahweh will take them to the land of promise. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, He performs on what He says He will. And you see, as we think about this for us here today, we need to understand that yes, God is with us, El Shaddai, He is leading us somewhere and working things out for our good as it is in line with His plan for us, right? And that's why it's important that we surrender our entire lives to Him, right? That we pray, not our will be done, not my will be done, but Your will be done, God. But God is also Yahweh. And he keeps his commandments. For hundreds of years, it was prophesied that the Messiah would come. And God kept that promise. And he sent Jesus. And today, by his spirit, he will sometimes shake things up in our lives and move us on to different places in life. It may not be a different geographical location, It may be just something different that God is working out within us. Things, for one reason or another, God touches our lives and things get changed or shook up a little bit. And we got to pause and and, and not say, why God, why? But what are you doing, God? What is it that you want from me, right? Because God allows circumstances in our lives to get us to move or to do that which he is calling us to do, right? This is Yahweh, the God that follows through on what he will do. But again, don't be confused because there's only one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God. The Lord is one. So this is the fact of the matter, but our God is so great, so awesome. His character is too expansive for us to to put him in just the little box that we like to put him in sometimes. The little box of how we think things should be. The little box of our religion and how we think God should work, right? He sees what we do not see. And he didn't get angry with Moses when Moses questioned him. He simply explained to Moses that there was more to him than Moses could see. There was more to him than what these people have ever known. Yes, he worked on their behalf as as God Almighty El Shaddai. But now he's going to be the God that keeps his promise and performs and takes them to that land. He is Yahweh, right? You see, God wants you to know him. He wants me to know him. He wants us to know his power at work in our lives. And we in our carnal minds, we want our lives to work out in a way where we're always on easy street. That's why how we try to remain, uh, you know, or arrange our lives, right? We try to always go in the path of least resistance. We make plans and we think that this is how we would like it to be, so this is what we're going to shoot for. You see, today, life has become, for many people, all about chasing after your dreams, right? Setting your goals and accomplishing them, making your bucket lists. And these are the traditions of man, the philosophies of mankind, but this is not how the God of the Bible, the God of all creation, this is not how He works. He doesn't work in line with our commands. He works in line with His commands, with what He says He will do. It's not about what we want or what we dream of. It's about God. That's why you often hear me talk about us dying to ourselves, surrendering our lives completely to Him. And in the Word of God, that's what we see. We are to be a people of faith who walk by faith and not by sight, trusting each and every day in the Lord Jesus Christ to lead us through this life by His Spirit, trusting each and every day for Him to provide for us. Again, in the Old Testament, He showed Himself as God Almighty, El Shaddai. As the promise-keeping, the covenant-keeping God, He is Yahweh. But in these last days, he has shown himself to mankind as God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. As God, the Holy Spirit, who indwells the born-again believer. And all the character of God has always been the same, from everlasting to everlasting. So as you walk by faith in Jesus Christ through this life, He will work in many different ways within your life. But all of those ways are in accordance with His command. All in accordance with His Word. So be careful not to put God in the little box of of your tradition, the little box of your philosophy, the little box of your religion. He doesn't fit into that. Nor does He fit in the little box of your dreams. Nor does He fit in the bucket of your bucket list, right? We are to be 
dead to ourselves. We are to be alive in Christ and led by His Spirit, allowing God Almighty to work within us. So as we continue on here, we'll see that God is working. He is showing His people who He is, teaching them in His ways. Verse 6 continues, and God says to Moses, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Okay, so I just read those, what, three verses there to you. And unless I miscount it, I see 11 times where God used the word I. I am the Lord. I will bring you. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. I will be your God, and so forth and so on, right? But in all of this, the people have nothing to do with it. It is God that will do this in their lives. And for us today, if you have come to Jesus, you have come to the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, then this same God is your God. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us. And He has made us His people. And for you and me, there is even another promise. And that is is that He is coming again for us. But in all of this, we see that it is Him that is to be our focal point. It's not about us. It's not about our dreams. It's not about our bucket list, right? It's all about His will being done in our lives. It's all about what He wants for us. And we will find ourselves sorely disappointed. And we will find ourselves questioning God if we allow ourselves to think that life needs to work out the way that we think it should. That life needs to fit in my little box and God needs to fit in this little box as well. If we live that way, that's not a life of faith, right? If life works out the way you want it to, then really you are God, right? You are the captain of your ship. But if you trust in God day by day, then He is your God. And that's where He wants us, fully relying on Him. So much of mainstream Christianity today has been blinded by a bunch of psychology that has entered the church, right? A, a, a philosophy of it's all about me and what I can get in this life. And as a result, what has happened is real faith has been thrown out the window and people really don't know how to walk, truly walk by faith. Christianity, true Christianity, that is, biblical Christianity, has been placed by some worldly, think-and-grow-rich Christianity. Okay, 
buy, sell, and get gain, right? Christianity has just allowed all the philosophies of the world to come into it. And biblical Christianity has been thrown out the window. And this is sad to me because this type of Christianity actually keeps us from seeing the true character of God at work in our lives, right? Why would we need El Shaddai, God Almighty, to work in our lives the way we saw him work in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's life? Why would we need him to work in our lives if we're the captain of our ships, right? We can't see him work mightily on our behalf if we're the ones in control. He doesn't want that. He wants us out of the way, right? We can't see him work mightily if we keep steering clear of all the problems. We can't see Yahweh keep his promise in our lives if we are the one that controls everything. But you see, God loves us enough that he will pull the rug of our security out from under us from time to time to cause us to grow in Him, right? To not let things work out the way that we want them to or to work out the way that we think they should, right? But it shouldn't only be when the storms of life come that we look to God. We should die to ourselves each and every day. This is what the Bible teaches, that we die daily. And we allow God to be God every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Not our monthly bread, not our yearly bread, not our retirement bread. But give us this day our daily bread. That's how God wants us trusting in Him. And that's how we'll see Him work in our lives. So verse 9, so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. You know, sometimes we can feel that way in life. We hear about God or like we're talking about God today or we we read His Word like this and we know that He's God Almighty. We know that He is the promise-keeping God, the covenant-keeping God. But the trials that we face in life sometimes seem just far too big for us to listen to God at that point in time. But the good news is is that our circumstances do not change who God is. He will still, still do what He says He will do, no matter how we feel at any given time. Our feelings don't influence God. And our feelings are not our faith. God, through our difficult circumstances, will increase our faith. He will strengthen us. I won't have you turn there, but in Romans chapter 5, it says that we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, in all of our times of trials, there is something good that comes out of it, even when we can't see how that can even be possible. And, and some trials are far 
too big for us to believe that anything good can come out of it. And God doesn't cause all of these trials. The world is full of sadness. The world is full of sickness. The world is full of disappointment and bad decisions by people. But if we keep our eyes fixed on us, right? If you keep your eyes fixed on you, right? Fixed on your circumstances, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you keep your eyes fixed on God Almighty, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Jesus in the flesh, by His Spirit, He will comfort you. And He will get you through this life and He'll lead you down paths of righteousness for His name's sake. But sometimes the anguish can be hard as it was for these folks here. right? But it didn't change who God was. Nor did it change what God was going to do in their lives, did it? He was still going to deliver them. He was still going to set them free. And in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for the king of Pharaoh, or for, the, for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now we see here Moses telling God all that he can't do. Moses is saying, I can't do that. He's letting God know he can't do this. And the truth of the matter is, though, is that Moses is exactly right about that. The children of Israel won't listen to him, and nor will Pharaoh listen to him. But Moses is not God. Moses is simply a man, a man of unclean lips. But it's not Moses that will do the work in the lives of the people. It is God that will show them that he is Yahweh. He is the Lord. He, they will now see God in a different way. So God doesn't need Moses to be anything at all other than a willing vessel to be used by him. God doesn't need for you to be anything today other than a surrendered, willing vessel willing to follow him. A cracked pot of clay in a master's hand. Just someone that will allow God to use you. Someone that will just say, here I am, God. And surrender your life to Him. And in verses 14 through 25 here, which I'm not going to read to you this morning, you'll see a list of all of the people, the genealogy of the first three sons of Jacob, Reuben, or the first three sons of Jacob, which are Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. You'll see a genealogy of all of them. You see, the Bible is a very historically correct book, and these facts are inserted here to show us where Moses and Aaron came from. They descended from Levi, the third son of Jacob. And that's what those verses are all about, where these two men, Moses and Aaron, came from. So we're reading the story of Moses and Aaron, and the Bible just inserts these historical facts here. Here's their family. Here's where these men came from. And then as we look down 
at verse 26, it says, These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the, the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Then verse 1 of chapter 7, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak to Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. Okay, so pause right there. Again, Moses was correct in his self-assessment that he was not anyone at all. And he surely wasn't anyone that anybody should listen to. Neither the children of Israel nor Pharaoh. But again, who was going to do this work? It was God Almighty. It was Yahweh. He was the man. He was the main focus here. He was the one that was going to do it. And, and Moses was just the man that God was going to use. Aaron would be the mouthpiece of Moses. But in all this, it would be the power of God that will end up on display. You see, we are nothing in this life. We are simply to bow our lives to the power of God. And it's when we focus on ourselves and when we think highly of ourselves and when we walk through this life pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we can get through on our own that in actuality we're weak because we don't have the power of God working in our lives because we don't need God. We're able to do things on our own. But God wants us to come to the place where we realize we're nothing and where we realize we are just a, a people of unclean lips. There was another man that realized the power of God. And he, he saw just how small he was and how unworthy he really was. His name was Isaiah. And I'm going to show you this. Turn, go ahead and mark this page and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And I'll start reading in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Now, I'm not going to get into all this today, but seraphim are angels around the throne of God. And Isaiah says that each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is 
full of his glory. And the posts of of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. But here's the part that I want to show you this morning, verse 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, you see, as Moses stood before God, he realized that he was nothing. He was no one that was worthy to be used by God. He was not worthy that anyone should listen to him, let alone a king. And Isaiah here realized when he saw the Lord that he was nothing. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or can even imagine. That's how awesome our God is. Our circumstances here on this earth though they may be overwhelming to us sometimes, and though we may lack in our faith, nothing is ever overwhelming to El Shaddai, to God Almighty, to Yahweh. Again, the people of faith of old knew him in different ways, but we know him today as Jesus. But he is one in the same God, still at work in the lives of his people. But we must come to grips with the fact, again, that we are nothing, that we need to humble ourselves. We are wretched. We are unclean. Our righteousness is but filthy rags to God. So many people think today that they're good enough to someday be in the presence of God just by their own merits. Just maybe if they're, they're good outweighs their bad, they'll be in the presence of God. But Scripture proclaims that there are none righteous and that there are none good. No religion, no religious practices will ever make you worthy to see God. So the good news is is that God Himself became a man and dwelt among us. And He paid the debt that we owe. The wages of sin is death. And we should have died that death, that that eternal death, that death that separated us for, for all eternity from our Creator. But He loved us too much for that. So He provided a way out. He provided a Redeemer Himself as that Redeemer. And there's a way out. And there's a way for us to be saved. And the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus only makes us righteous in the sight of God. So what do we do today? We walk by faith in Him. But we come to Him understanding that we are lost, that we are wretched, and that we are in need of a Savior. And we bring nothing to the table. So Moses had a lot of excuses, but Yahweh was going to be the one that did the work anyway. And as we flip back one more time to um, Exodus chapter 7, Verse 3, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, 
so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. You see, do you want to know the best way for you to influence others around you for Jesus Christ? Well, you just have to get yourself out of the way. It's the same way that we'll see God work in our lives. We have to get our self out of the way, and we need to let the Lord Jesus be Lord of our lives, right? Die to yourself. Empty your bucket list and throw away the bucket. Surrender every part of you to Jesus Christ as Lord of all. God wants to be the one that is on display. He is the only one worthy of being on display in the first place. He wants to show His power. And we need to get out of the way and let God be God. Drop all the excuses and drop everything and say, I am nothing, I know I'm nothing, but my God is everything. Then what happens is the people of the world around us will see the work, the powerful work of God within us. Not because we've got it all together, but because we trust in the one that holds it all together. That's the difference. We don't have to live life like we've got it all together. We don't. We just need to trust in the one that holds it all together. We need to be obedient to the word of God. Moses and Aaron will now be obedient. And verse 6 says, Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. Now, if the body of Christ to, today would just hear this kind of thing, just, that is, just do what the Lord commands you to do. It really is that simple. You are nothing, I am nothing, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And He dwells within us today by His Spirit. And His Spirit brings us into remembrance of all that Jesus said and all that Jesus did. And it's all written down for us in the Word of God in our Bibles. And I'm going to stop here for today. We'll take a look at chapter 7 again the next time we are together. But dig deeper. You see, because God is more than you can ever imagine. And He will work mightily in your lives, but it doesn't begin until you let go. Until you get out of the way and you begin to trust in Him with all of your heart. Right? If you think too highly of yourself, and if your life is all about you, and that's your focus every day and what you get and what you do and what you achieve, well then you are God in your life. And you will never see the power of the one true God at work within your life, if that is the case. So take some time to consider today where you are in Christ. He is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all in your life. And please know that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He works in our lives as El Shaddai and as Yahweh and so much more than we've covered today. But He is Jesus, the one who was and who is 
and who is to come, God Almighty. But listen, here is something really important that we must understand before I close here this morning. With our God, heaven is His dwelling place. But by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, He has made our hearts His throne. The work that He now does in our hearts, yes, you will, you will see His life or His work done in your life in external things as well, but His main focus is who you are internally. That's what God is working on who you are as a man, as a woman. And then that will begin to be seen on the outside as well. As I quoted to you earlier, though, from Philippians 2.13, God works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. So He's working in you. It's not all about your circumstances. He's working in you. And He's not working to do your good pleasure. He's working to do His good pleasure. You won't see God on this earth with your eyes. Not until Jesus comes again. You won't, you won't hear, you most likely won't hear an audible voice from God with your ears today. But He is doing a work within you. And you, as a result of His work within you, you must begin to walk by faith and just allow His will to be done in your daily life. But again, it starts with us letting go and getting rid of everything. I'm not talking about selling your house and all that stuff. I'm just saying, let go of the things you hold on to and begin to hold on to just God and let Him provide for you. Let Him be El Shaddai, Yahweh. Let Him be your all in all. And the more you understand how little you are, the more you will see how great He is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank You for this opportunity to gather around Your Word, the living Word. I pray, Lord, as we have heard Your Word, Lord, as we have gone through it in this way, Lord, that, that we will yield our lives to You all the more this day that we will make a decision with each and every day to die to ourselves, to take up the cross, and to follow after you, that you would be Lord of all in our lives, that that would be more than just words that come out of our mouths, Lord, but that that would be the truth in regards to how we live, that you are Lord of all. We thank you, Lord, that you are ever faithful, you are ever true. We trip up and we stumble through this life. But you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we just acknowledge you in the coming week. And again, we thank you for this opportunity to gather. In Jesus' name, amen.